Mango by Zia Ahmed. Mango. Mango writes something and white mango. I don't know, maybe it needs a symbol to represent the exotic. Something like a mango. Mango into bar and bar mango. Why the long mango? Snapple, which races do you want in your banknote? Give you this default sitar solo, aka Indian banjo. Oh god, elections gotta hang low. This guy's telling me to go back home. Type NW2, what does your satnav show? Are you indigenous though? Are you indigenous though? If not, you better be vigilant, bro. Or what? I think that I'm invisible. No, I think that I'm a mythical creature. That working class black, that working class brown. We don't seem to have any worth in your towns. I know in the old days everything was okay. I saw it in a documentary called Mary Poppins. Supercalifragilisticexpialimango. So, Mr. Englishman. Which part of England do you grow them leaves that make your famous English breakfast tree? English like cheeky Nando's. English like cutting through a country as if it were a mango. When it comes to hear us, people in power seem to cut their ear off like Van Gogh or Van Gogh. Power corrupts. You already killed Duncan, you might as well kill Banquo. Scaramouche, Scaramouche, will you do the Fandango? Are you gonna bang? Are you gonna bang though? No. Islamism is the new communism. Shit, it's time to reboot Rambo. The skies are grey. Today they won't have drones. Today they still have homes. No, I need to have a word with the Espirito Santo. The meaning of life has got to be a series of portmanteaus. Jabberwocky. Never straight negro y blanco. I hold the baby on my arms. She don't weigh much more than a box of mangoes. She smiles and I have hope. I have love. I have life. And I will fight for days and nights that taste sweeter than... Uduasha City, where the sun is a mirror and the moon a shadow, where dancers cavort in forbidden operas, making love to forgetting and flame, where the wealthy play at war with silver swords and silken sashes, where the people mine the dead heart of a burning star for cannonballs and pipework, and where a thousand secrets hide in a forest of paper and ink. Here, the five key bearers reside. The five who know the secrets of the broken gates of death. Five. Five only. There is no sixth spire, forlorn and forgotten in the desert. There is no one who looks to the displaced, the poor and destitute and landless, whose ancestry has been stripped from them by foreign looms and foreign sparcraft, and no one has ever heard of the House of Endings. But this is their story. Their roots pulled up and burned, they stand in filth up to their necks. And that is precisely why they must keep their heads ever high. Welcome to Uduasha, immigrant. May it fear the name of the house you will build. Welcome to Desperate Tune, an actual play podcast about characters with their identities in peril, played by an international cast devoted to fiction-first gaming, collaborative world-building, and complex character drama.
Hey everyone, uh, Emma here, butting in for a quick message. And the message is basically, I am leaving the podcast. Other parts of my life have simply gone too busy. Actually, at time of recording, I've already left the podcast and Moss has already said goodbye to her family. But we record much faster than we release, so you've still got several months of episodes to go before that happens. From now on, Moss will sometimes be absent for an episode or two. Especially in the next few weeks, we'll see Bedrohi, Mushfik and Zaida on their own. Then they will be joined by a new character, Golden-Eyed Clementine, who will be played by Soltai. Then they will be joined by a new character, Golden-Eyed Clementine, who will be played by a new regular cast member, Salty. At that point, we'll have five main characters, and they will share the story until Moss's arc ends. Now, we've tried to make this transition and this shift in cast as smooth as possible. You will probably still notice some places where we had to adapt to the change, but we think the story is still very enjoyable, and we hope you enjoy it as well. And... I should say you're not completely rid of me yet, because I will stay on as a poetry reader. Whew, uh, yeah. And with that out of the way, back to your regularly scheduled programming. Welcome back, everyone, to Desperate Attune, the House of Endings, in which we are uh, returning to the cast after they have, uh, last session, eaten some bad bananas. Um, worked on cultivating a sacred mangrove tree <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, gone on a date. I think that's about the summary of what we did last time. Uh, I love, by it. the way, sorry, I love that you started with the bad bananas as if that was the big thing that happened last time. <laughs> well, that was yes. the big thing that happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, to summarize it, last session we saw we saw the introduction of the mangrove ancestor tree that Moss has found finally be introduced to the rest of the crew, to Bidruhi and Mushfik and Saida. And we saw mm. how important this tree was to your mother, Moonlit, Ankatam. And mm-hmm. we also saw uh, Bidruhi cause some trouble with his date Mumtas, going on a rampage throughout Bundervest, stealing stuff going a crime spree, being chased by the Skovlanders and ending up in the secret basement where the tree is. Uh, and then after that, Saida revealed the crew's destiny uh, to everyone, speaking the name of the Prince of Endings, and everyone had these weird visions of the future and of what is growing in Kagasaranya, sprawling from the document that you have planted. Mm. Which you planted way back after your very first score. Yeah, I mean, it's been a while since we... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so this session, we are going to be looking into some fallout of your actions. And I have two things on my list. And please let me know if there are other things that you plan to do. But on my list is Saida talking to Salman. And uh, mm-hmm. also, uh, yeah, Bidruhi and Mushfik finding out about some community problems. Do we need yes, problems that we discussed before, or just no? Just uh, just community problems. That I mean, your community is in quite a lot of trouble. Last yeah. session we also saw you gain a tear. 
mm. uh, which is important because now people are paying much more attention to you. You are becoming a bigger deal in Udwasha, and this is in fact what is catching up with you. And so I'm going to begin with a scene of that catching up with you. Mm. Um, and it begins quite innocently enough. For it begins Nothing with... Nothing begins innocently. I feel like this is uh-huh. a setup. Please go on. Uh-huh. Mm. Yes. I think it will begin with... And uh, yeah, let's say Mushfik is the center of the scene here, but other people can be coming along as well, which is you going to your sword school. And uh, you uh, you have a couple of students training in the back now, right? You have people show up and go like, ah, oh, teach me how to use a sword, teach me how to defend myself, all this sort of stuff. And you also have a fixture of... Uh, the back end, Morphispy, the Chaiwala, oh, yes. who uh, mm. is has been faithfully there, like as often as he can, uh, because you're becoming a little bit of a Catherine community center. And what is unusual today is that he is absent. Not only mm. is he absent, but there is someone else there that you don't know. Like you don't have a monopoly mm. on this area; you can't keep people out necessarily, right? Right. Yeah. But. Uh, there is another person there that you don't know, and this is a like a middle-aged woman, fairly strict and stern-looking, who is serving up something else that the students don't seem to be as big a fan of, and also she is pointedly not Kethrisy. Like you know, you know your community pretty well. It's possible that she could be some recent immigrant or whatever, but she's not. She's not dressed like you. She's uh, she does not seem to speak your dialect. She's just a completely random stranger. Who has shown up on your Chaiwala spot? And uh, yeah, the students are, some of them probably are buying like a drink from her because they're thirsty, but there's definitely like a weird feeling about all of this. And uh, yeah. Um, uh, she's a stern looking woman, you said? Yes. Okay. Mm. All right. So yeah, Mushbrick is, um, uh, so what time is it? Early morning ish, I guess. Everyone's kind of filing in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Mushrake is um, walks into the sort of backyard. You know, the sleep hasn't uh, left his eyes yet. Uh, notices the woman there, and he goes, um, "Oh, uh, Saidanti, you're looking different today." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he blinks, like snaps up at you, and says, "Sorry, what was that?" And obviously, mm-hmm. she does not say it in anything resembling Ketrisi. Like, <laughs> hmm? I goes, um, I like, look, I'll, I'll have time for these prophecies later. Uh, where's Wolf's pie, by the way? I'm, uh, I'm dying for a tea. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, she says, Oh, him won't be coming around. Got taken. Have something to drink. Hmm. I think, all right, at this point, like, Mushri's going to look at her and go, wait a minute, I don't know, something's not right here. Um, yeah, and then she <laughs> pours you a drink, she, like, slams it forward on the counter, and she just aggressively goes, like, 450 for the for the price. All right, see, this this is when Mushri's going to be like, wait a minute, you're not Saidanti, who the fuck are you? Saidanti would never... for a drink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she is horribly overcharging you as well. Because um, I, I imagine she means 
This is four yeah. and a half coin for one cup of tea. Yeah, well, not four and a half coin, probably, <laughs> but whatever smaller currency you use. It's still a scam. It's not just quite as bad a scam as you think. Uh, um, yeah, she... Uh, uh, she looks you up and down as you ask who the hell she is. And uh, I guess she introduces herself with with a name. I didn't think of a name for this person. Someone give me a name. Well, you're thinking of that. I think like maybe the source of the confusion is that when she says 450, she obviously means 4.50. But maybe because she, you don't really speak the language like a local, you think uh, it's 450. I think she's called uh, Anais. And I cannot mm, tell Anais. you why she's called that. That's a good name. Yes, absolutely. So she says, I'm Anais. I... Don't you worry. I'm perfectly allowed to be here, he says with like a slightly sinister undertone. And uh, uh, looks you up and down, and she goes, you going to pay me? Mm, am I? Well, I mean, Mushwick's not the type to turn down a drink. I'll try it. I'll try the drink. Uh -huh. What's yeah. it like? So um, I, I think, think it's, it's okay. Good. I think the the thing about Morpheus, right, is that he knows his audience. Like he knows yeah. you guys. He knows how you prefer your your drinks. And this is not inexpertly prepared, but it's not at all to like your local tastes. It's very Uduashan. Mm. So right. uh, I don't know if we established precisely what the culinary differences between Uduashan and Ketris is, but I imagine there are some, and it includes how you prefer your drinks, right? Yeah. Uh, since we've been talking about Ketris as a place, you know, with mangrove swamps and mm -hmm. displaced farmers, mm -hmm. I've been like in my mind, I've just been picturing like just Bengal, the region, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And I don't know if, which we don't have to do, but no, absolutely, yeah. no, it's, I mean, it's fine. So, yeah. uh, so I think, yeah, I'll take a, I'll take a sip and go, hmm, overspice, yeah. Mm -mm. I I want tea, you know. I don't want I don't want like a a spicy broth that's tea flavored. I want uh -huh. tea. Yeah. Yeah. He's, Get out of here. There. He stares back at you. He says, "This yeah. is tea." I'm just like, look, no, no, whatever. This I'm not interested. Uh, just uh, tell him, tell him if it's about to come back. You know what I think the thing might be. Uh, because one thing that I find really interesting is that even though tea is such a big thing in South Asian culture. Like that's largely because of British colonialism. Like it wasn't that big a deal before uh, the British started putting up plantations and so on. Like we had it. Yeah, because it um, hmm? yeah. Sorry, no. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't as widespread, right? Yeah, it wasn't like that thing. So I like the idea that Uduasha, when Uduashans are talking about tea, they're actually talking about tea. Yeah. But we have the same word uh, for some other leaf broth thing maybe yeah it's kind of like a narcotic or mm -hmm. stimulant maybe more like cut yeah. or something i don't know yeah there's probably lots of of variations of this and i like the idea that ketris hmm yeah there's some you know swampy brews that you can make mm -hmm. swampy brews i often hear this word swampy brews and i think of ketris. Uh -huh. yeah 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 <laughs> um Where's the I, I don't know what I was, man. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's another thing. 
We've seen in the Shattered Extra Isles is just in the Shattered Extract. The Shattered Isles is just extremely screwed up too. So there's that. But anyway, she uh, she huffs at you and like she stares at you, and then she says, "Morpheus is not coming back. He didn't pay his dues." I'm and gonna rack my brain because I don't actually. So I I don't think Mumushuk actually knows who Wolfins works for. Yeah. Who's paying him? What what the arrangement is? Um, yeah, I think this will be fairly I, obvious to you actually because your vice yeah. purveyor is in the restaurant business, so you have no doubt heard about the flatbread uncles. The uh, dun dun dun. The people who. Uh, charge protection money from restaurants. They don't actually hire restaurateurs, like they don't actually own the establishments, but they do charge protection money to like not flip your stand over and beat you, the mm-hmm. shit out of you. And uh, it seems Morpheus hasn't been paying. How unfortunate. I thought, I thought some of them were also restaurateurs. Oh yeah, some of them are. It's mm-hmm. just their their main money is in protection money. Yeah. Okay, um, I'm going to establish that like, I think Mushri quite enjoys Mufi's iced tea, and he's going to take this very, very seriously. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, I, I think like, you see his demeanor get more and more serious, and then I think I want to try to just look, or like, just dead in the end to say, where is he? Mm. Okay, now it's an action roll. Because, I mean, to, to this woman, he's just competition. It's controlled because you're on your home turf and, like, you are a warrior and she's just a woman selling tea. But there is still some risk here because, obviously, she is connected. So, controlled standard. So, what am I rolling here? Uh, I guess I'm it trying to... It sounds like command, but... Yeah. You could argue for something else. Uh, I think yeah. that's fine. I, I will point to... out we've also got quality weapons that all of the people around us are currently practicing with. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, like I said, like, yeah, yeah. No, I think like this is more. Yeah, I think I think it's definitely command in that. Like, <laughs> she looks around and there's a bunch of people uh-huh. doing sword practice. Yes, I will in fact give you a devil's bargain. If you're okay with this interaction riling up all of your peasant friends. Like getting them angry with you, you can have a bonus dice. Of course, one who is a pillar of the community. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> yeah, you met him like last week, but now he's a pillar <laughs> of the community. So. I've had Morpheus pay for twenty minutes, and if anything happens to him, yes, I would yeah. kill everybody else and then myself. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that is the vibe. But I guess he is really popular. You know, his tea's good. Yeah. His, <laughs> his tea is good. He he gets it. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so control old standard. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna need the bonus die because I can't command. <laughs> I cannot command. I rolled okay. a one. You rolled oh, a one. No. Yes, it is controlled. You may retry from a riskier position. And I think the reason she says, the reason you may retry from a riskier position is just uh, she just looks back at you and she says, take it up with the uncles. I don't know. And what becomes clear is she does know, but she is just like trying to tell you that this is above her pay grade. All right, I am gonna try again. Yeah, I'm you can push her. Risky, Sander. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you can keep your bonus die for the second attempt here, but uh, you are upping the stakes. Uh, upping the stakes. I think I'm gonna. I forget. Can I push myself for another one? No. No, no you, you, you took a bargain. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to do it there. Yeah, yeah. 
But yeah, uh, really, I don't know that I'm around to help you. Right. Yeah, you can but, get aid if anyone else decides that they are around, but... Is anyone around? No. Yeah, okay, evidently not. No. <laughs> uh, Alright, but uh, okay, even though I'm not pushing myself mechanically in the in the lore, right, the Mushwick is getting worked up, he hasn't had his tea yet, you know, yeah, it's yeah. uh, a serious headache. He goes, where oh, is you he, go. goddammit? Uh-huh. Yeah, you slam your, your hand down on the table, the woman jumps and, like, backs off, and uh, she, uh, she looks at you and uh, she says, He he came up with some ridiculous story about being robbed, and then he couldn't pay his dues. He wasn't allowed to come back. I nothing's happened to him. He's still in his home, she says, and she like measuredly. She she's pretty tough, right? She's been around street thugs before, but she is scared in this moment, and so she will tell you he is at home, he is afraid to come out, but uh, they haven't, like, taken him. Mm, Alright. Okay. So, alright, Mushrik is going to go, alright, I think Mushrik just just starts at her, like, you know, get to, you know, get out of here, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I'll not tolerate your presence any longer. Yeah. that kind of thing, yeah. and you have successfully oh, intimidated her. So you know, and she figures the business here is pretty bad. So she yeah. she packs up her things and begins to leave. The consequence here, though, is that she is going to absolutely go and complain to the people she pays her protection money to, unless you resist yeah. it. Uh, to be clear, um, out of character, I feel like we should be doing more to make clear that we're the people who protect around here. And if there's someone else, we need to go kick him in the nuts. In character, Saida is probably sleeping. She's got complicated feelings, and she's mm. asleep. Yeah, mm. yeah. So out of character, uh, Mushwig probably does not have this in mind as he goes to you know um, put whoever's like threatening Mufizpai in his place. But perhaps you know from the outside looking in, it will look like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. I yeah. don't know if many people are going to be like, uh, you know, they're, they're going to go, oh, there's something going on. You know, turf war, not, oh, Mushvik's just really grumpy because he's not had his tea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, if, right. uh, so if you don't resist this, all that's going to happen now, like, you won't get faction status downgraded or anything. All that's happened is that the flatbread uncles, who are the people who uh, look out for restaurant people and food sellers, they're going to hear about this. And they're not going to be happy. I, um, I think I won't resist this because they're probably yeah. gonna know in a bit anyway mm-hmm. yeah probably when i come around mm-hmm. yeah i think uh one of one of your uh hangarounds we haven't actually expanded on the people who joined your crew after murad and pilot but mm-hmm. one of the people in your hangaround uh does go like what what would people call you mushvik i guess they would call you something like a teacher like, would they use honor- honorifics with you, do you think, or would you insist on them not doing that? Uh, are you Mushwig Pai? I think just, yeah, Mushwig Pai. That's uh, yeah. fairly... So, yeah. yeah, so one of them goes, Mushwig Pai, I, I know where Mofis lives. He stays with one of my family members. I, I didn't realize 
something had happened to him. Mm. All right. Take me to him immediately. This is important. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, <laughs> yeah, I think that you can do this. And yeah. uh, does anyone else join Mushvik here? Like, do you think anyone else is coming along? You I'm could pick me up, up on the way. I think uh, you can find maybe like the the hostel. Is that is that where we said that my mom runs? A boarding, like a boarding house. house. Boarding house. Yes, that's the word I'm yeah. looking for. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, and like Bengali, hostel is also the same word for this. Yeah, same word. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. So the thing that my I'm sitting outside. I'm on the porch, and I'm holding. Uh, a very long cowboy boot with a spur. Mm. I'm yeah. looking at it dolefully, and then I just try it on and just walk around with it. And there's a brief smile on my face, but I'm still kind of sad. And then I shake my head, mm. and then I see you. I'm and sorry. Like, what? <laughs> what's the vibe we're going for here? <laughs> Vidro is sad because, like, over a cowboy Vidro boot. Is- Sadly, admiring a cowboy boot. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a uh, this is the this is Jekyll's cowboy boot that I stole last session. Oh yes, yes. Mm-hmm. yes. And you know, normally I'd be like, "Lol, Lamau, I have stolen her boot, lol." Mm-hmm. But I'm still kind of sad about everything that's happened to me lately. So mm-hmm. even this 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 cowboy boot is only bringing me a brief flicker of joy. Mm-hmm. But then I see Mushrik Bai, and I instantly mm-hmm. perk up. I'm like, Mushrik Bai, what's going on? Mm-hmm. No time to explain. We gotta go now. Mushikpai, that is my favorite kind of action. Mm. Let us go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still wearing the cowboy boot. Yeah, yeah. just one. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so you head over to where Mofis lives, and yes. the river passes through Bundervest, and I think his little little house is by the river. I think he obviously he stays with family because it's like a very crowded district, and he's you know related to the family of your student. That leads you there. It's a little house with like maybe two families living in it that's facing the water side, and it has a little porch on the back where you can be fishing. And as we approach, this is in fact where you see Mofis. He is lying back out on this little fishing port, but he's not fishing, he is drinking. And he looks very, very despondent, like much sadder than Bidrohi. And uh, yeah, he's drinking some sort of cheap moonshine. And uh, throwing rocks into the water. I think. Uh, sorry. Uh, I mean, it's your scene. You go first. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go over there. I'm gonna grab the moonshine bottle, like right out of his hand, and go. Like, what are you doing, man? This is no time for this. Ah, oh. gave me a scare. I thought. <laughs> Give that back! I'm still, uh, I'm still working through some, sh- some, some things, uh, sir. He, he kind of fumbles his way through. Huh? Yeah. Okay. He's uh, he's drunk and not entirely sure who he's talking to at first. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna, okay. So Mushrik like scrutinizes him. I mean, I guess clearly this man is in a, you know, worse for the wear. I think as you scrutinize him, not only is he worse for the wear in the sense that he's sad and drunk, he's also bruised. Like, uh, someone has physically attacked him. Aww. Alright, I'm gonna say, listen, make yourself 
strongest cup of tea that you can, and then make one for me too, immediately after that. Then we're gonna talk. I can't. Those, those bastards, they kicked over my cart and they took all my supplies. Mm. Who, who did this? Who interfered with the work of an artist? Exactly, Vidhuri. I couldn't have put it any better myself. Oh, no, of course you could have Mushing Bhai. It's... Believe in yourself. <laughs> he looks a little frightened for a moment, but then he goes like, it's those those cooks, those street food people. We've been, we've been on okay terms. I've been, I've been paying my dues. I was a little late. A little late only. And then... I think someone, I, I, someone stirred shit up. Someone, someone caused a lot of trouble, and and they ended up. I heard them say they're cracking down on. On our kind. Tea sellers. I I guess he says mm. shrugging. Hmm. <laughs> no, Mushrik Bhai. I think this is a case of racism. Are you familiar with the concept? Intimately. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know I... it had reached Kethris yet. <laughs> hey, you, you will be beaten over the head. Uh, wow. Yeah. I mean, are you racism splaining? Uh, <laughs> yes. Incredible. You're so lucky Saida is in here, by the way. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know uh, they had it in Kethris. Uh-huh. Yeah, he uh, he shakes his head and he says, "I don't know what happened. It's, I've been a little late before. It hasn't been a problem. I don't know why they went so out of their way this time." Is it because of your association with us? Uh, I I don't know. Have you? Of course, you don't know what am I saying, It is time for you to be relaxing and Mushfibai. I will get you your cup of tea. I will get a cup of tea for Mufizbai. I will get a cup of tea for myself. I will get a cup of tea for you. What is your name? When I pointed a random passerby. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, random passerby stops, looks up. In, I, I, okay. Uh, the random passerby stops, looks up at you in confusion, and uh, uh, says, uh, Gunnar? And you pointed at the Skovlander who is passing through on his way to work. Okay, Mr. Gunnar, you, you, you sit down here, we will have a nice cup of tea and we shall talk about racial politics. Does Gunnar look like he's any good in a fight? Uh, I think is he's Gunnar good a man? Good. <laughs> huh? uh, yes, I think Gunnar I'm is sure. a man and yeah, good think... at lifting heavy boxes. I think that's All right. the Gunnar's joining... good in a fight. Gunnar's joining us for this. We've got to win him over with tea. <laughs> Yes, okay. <laughs> sure. He, he wanders in somewhat confusedly and uh, uh, yeah, sit, sits down. He he looks suspicious, but he's also kind of in the wrong neighborhood and can't turn down hospitality at the moment. He's, like, he, he's caught between like, do I run away or do I accept the hospitality? Because if I just say no, that's rude, then they might beat me up. So yeah. <laughs> I let Mushvik handle this because he's a chill guy. And I go to the nearest house, and then I ask to use the kitchen for a bit, and I'm very, very persuasive and charming, so I think they let me. Yes, absolutely. Also, this is really weird, so they can't really turn me down, because random men walking into your house can't make sense of something. (laughs) But 
that you're in a deeply Catherine Park Buddha yes. suit. Like people, people actually know you a little bit, right? You're, you're, you're yeah. <laughs> the hero of the arena wants to use your kitchen. <laughs> Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna talk about it like later mm-hmm. this evening, right? They're gonna be like, mm-hmm. "Did you know that that swordsman, the the yeah, yeah, the one, the one, the really good looking one? Yeah, he came into my house, you know. Yeah, that's what's it's like he, previously he has been a little late on payments, but he does pay his dues. Like he does pay protection money to the restaurant people because it's just what it's done in Uduasha. They mm-hmm. they don't like restaurants that operate unlicensed, particularly not in poorer districts. Uh, but this time they were less tolerant with his lateness, apparently because there's like rumors about the catrisy spreading throughout the community now. Something about stealing shoes. And being untrustworthy. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. So uh, let's let's uh, let's get uh, Gunnar his cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. He. Mushfik okay. uh, I made yours extra strong because you are extra strong. And Mr. Gunnar, I gave you many sugar because sugar looks kind of like snow, and I think that would make you feel like at home. And uh, I don't know how is you like your tea, so it's just tea. Other people, whether they know what racism is, I want to be yeah. clear. Yeah. So <laughs> the, the moment he said that, I genuinely, I just pinched the bridge of my nose and like closed my eyes. And Mushvik, you can imagine, is doing the same thing as he is hearing all of this. Like, mm, all right. yeah. well, <laughs> yeah. Gunnar looks looks over his drink and then he nods and says, "Thanks." Uh, so yeah, what do you think? Heard, yeah. Like, like, yeah, yeah, go on, go on, have some. Uh, heard about the shoe thing. Yeah, <laughs> some yeah. woman stirring up trouble. Mm, yeah. yeah, not real shame. Uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah, he, he's like reluctant to talk about, it, but then he looks at Bidrohi just as he says, "Not true," I think, and he notices the one cowboy boot, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> He looks down at Bidrohi's shoe, and then up at Bidrohi's face, and then down at the boot, and then up at Bidrohi's face, and then he very slowly sips his tea and says nothing. Why is everyone staring me up and down? I mean, I'm used to it, but I'm feeling a little bit of a difference in this situation. Mm-hmm. I, I think he says that, what, what happened to your other shoe? <laughs> I left it at home. This is not my shoe. This is a shoe I stole from my number one rival. Oh, you're Bidrohi. Okay. <laughs> Hello. Uh, so, uh, what do you think about the Can key? I get <laughs> Sorry, please go on. <laughs> Just saying hello. Yeah, and I said, yeah. and I said uh, so, uh, what do you think of the tea? Not bad. Gunner. Sweet. Good. Good, Quite man. Sweet. Yeah. And this poor man over here, and I, I, you know, thumb bad, move his vibe, right? Makes tea that is like a hundred times better than that, at least. I absolutely agree. Mm. And these bastards are trying to drive him out of business. How does that make you feel? Well, it's not good. See, they, 
they come after everyone, right? But I, I think, uh, I think Jackal paid paid them off big. He says, and he's oh. like a little bit reluctant to talk about this, but. That sounds exactly like what Jekyll would do. See, Jekyll is my rival, not because she's like some slimy son of a bitch, like your rival. Sorry, sorry to say, Sherekatam, uh, but my rival is much cooler. Okay. She's like really cool and like, you know, it's just a rivalry that's based on like pure sexual tension. But she's a really cool person. Are you I, saying I, I... that you think that Jekyll is a cooler person than Omid? Yes. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. All right. Yes. Sorry, I, I have to clarify here. Is the implication also that the relationship between Omid and Wishvik isn't based purely on sexual tension? Because that's what um, Bidrohi has been implying all of this time. See, there's a bit more to it than just sexual tension. There's the, okay. you know, there's murdering his friends and family mm -hmm. and, you know, destroying his way of life and so on. This is, for me and Jekyll, it's pure sexual tension. Ah, I yes. see. Okay. And a little bit of stealing her shoes. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, I yes. think yeah, uh, to, to cut ahead a little bit here, what yes. you will learn from this scene is that Morpheus doesn't know why he got beaten up, but now that you have Gunnar here to explain the latest gossip on the Skovland side, uh, yeah, yeah, Jackal has more or less uh, you know, paid off everyone's debts on the Skovland side of Bundervest restaurants and a little bit extra and then apparently slipped in the word that, like, you know, uh, the Catherine, they don't pay their debts. Also, they're fucking shoe thieves. You should probably do something about that. There, there was a business arrangement. Mm. Mm. Okay, yeah. this sort of, like, dirty snitching. Okay, I mean, even though I have sung Jekyll's praises right now, I will also admit that she's not above such things. Okay, but, you know, you know, fight with any weapon you have available, I think. He says, defending his rival, even though no one said anything about her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, you know, she's just doing... It's not... I mean, it's up... You are the older man here, and I will, and I will like, defer to your advice. If you want, we can go shake J Jekyll down, beat her up a, a little bit, but it, I feel like that's not... She's not really the problem. No, no. It's only... Uh, she's the... Oh, what's the word? It's okay. Mushvi doesn't know the word anyway. She's a yeah, she's a side <laughs> thing. Yeah. Um, all right. We gotta get to the source of the issue. Yes. These these flatbread uncles. Yes. So remind me, the flatbread uncles are not. Are, is this a monolithic organization, or are there separate flatbread uncles who each run their own thing? No, so it's a. It's like a distributed organization. The Flatbread Uncles are sort of a brotherhood of cooks, they call themselves. And they right. are basically just like, what's the what's the word? Not a monopoly, but like a... Cartel? Cartel, yeah. A cartel right. of the, the basically the powerful people who own restaurants, essentially right. doing extortion to people who just do street food stalls and stuff. Right. Go okay. like, yes, you can sell on my street, but then you're going to have to pay me uh, or my thugs will beat you up. So they're they're a loose organization, but they exist across Uduasha, and they're a fairly powerful gang. Mm -hmm. People in Uduasha take their food seriously. Okay. Yeah. As people everywhere should, not that they exactly. necessarily do. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I think I say, I between you and me, Sherekatam, I don't really go to restaurants that much, but 
you are a man of many appetites and refined ones. Do you happen to know any of these flatbread uncles yourself? Well, one, more of a flatbread auntie, I guess. Yeah. Indeed. Sundari Tandori is uh, a member. She owns a restaurant, and yeah. most people who own a proper restaurant are members. All right. So uh, Mushri's going to ask us uh, like, which particular uncle is um, like he is he indebted to. So Yeah, good mm. question. Uh, we have a couple of ones listed <laughs> so on our Uduasha sheet. So I'm going to say, hmm, how about Cutlet? He is described as vicious, foolhardy, and a cultist. It's a nice... That's a very nice gangster name as well. Cutlet. Yes. Cutlet. Picked Cutlet so think... because Tree once said that his friends uh, call people Cutlets when they're idiots. Mm. Uh-huh. Good. I, uh, I, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cutlet also makes sense as a guy to be in charge of Bundervest, I think. Like, you know, the, the other fancier people run the nicer districts, right? But this is, this is a poor district. Doesn't have a lot of, like, very wealthy restaurateurs to shake down, so he goes after scraps. People like Mofis, who, you know, let's face it, Mofis does not make a lot of money. But uh, Cutlet survives off of these sorts of small protection rackets. He will need a big protection very soon. Well said. I suppose so, yeah. All and right. uh, I think Cutlet is, in fact, since Bundervest is where a lot of the dirty work is done, I think Cutlet does not own a restaurant himself. He's not cool enough for that. He's a butcher, I think. He processes hmm. meat. Hmm. It uh, sort of makes sense. It's a, he's a scary guy. His day-to-day business is selling and supplying meat to the restaurants. But he also uses his array of implements to intimidate people into giving him money. All right. Okay, so out of character, I guess uh, the plan, I mean, it's not much of a plan, is I have a contact who would know about this kind of thing, and we can gather some info from Tundri Tundri, and uh, I guess, yeah, we can proceed. I have, uh-huh. I have a, yeah. another plan that I might uh, okay. propose to you, All right. which is... Um, I know a guy who's got an in with the bureaucracy. And um, in Uduwasha, this is like knowing a guy who's got an in with the cops, which is to say, if you know someone sufficiently powerful, the system works for you rather than the other way around. Uh-huh. Um, so, I mean, I'm not saying you don't go speak to Sundari Tanduri, but I'm saying I could go speak to my friend and then we could find out whether we can just get a bunch of licenses revoked. And then use that to extort these people. Oh, that's nice. also an angle. That's very nice. Yeah. Look at me. I am now the flatbread uncle. Mm. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> I was about to ask. I was about to ask though. Where is Saida throughout all this? Do you think that she has gone to see Salman, or is she just asleep? Yes. I think she's asleep. And then, uh-huh. as all of this occurred, we just see a montage of Saida waking up. You know, uh-huh. washing their face. Um. Noticing that uh, Moss isn't at home, um, which is not like abnormal, right? But yeah, just like, oh yeah, fine, whatever. And then uh, she gets ready, puts on her dress, um, you know. And I think what she's in fact going to do is uh, you will see her 
kind of look through some paperwork before putting it in like a folder. And it is the paperwork that Saida submitted to uh, Mr. Rohini to be like, oh, yeah, the House of Lies exists. Um, because I want to show this to the King of Lies as proof that I'm a loyal vizier. Um, uh-huh. And that's why I called the meeting. See, I, I'm, I'm going to go. That's why I'm just going to go speak to Salman and be like, hey, uh, okay. aren't I so loyal? So, yes. yeah. So let's have that scene occur before the score, I guess, because, yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. I think another reason you aren't in the scene is that I can't speak to Mushfik, but I think Bidrohi has been avoiding you since uh, the events of the previous session. Yeah. This makes perfect sense. And I don't think Saida necessarily cares that you've been doing that. So yes. they're not going to come try and find you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Did Mushfik have yes. a reason to avoid Saida? I don't think so. I think. Yeah, I mean, also, Mushfik also had a vision of the future, but he seems to have shrugged it off. So, yes, as you Uh do. Yes. Okay, so we see Saida go down to. uh, I guess you're meeting him at the at the the uh, the the restaurant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The restaurant where you do fishing. The ruby jetty. Yeah. The Ruby Jetty, where you've arranged the meeting. Well, not in the Ruby Jetty, because you're not a member. It's an exclusive club, but outside it. Yeah. Yes. So, to set the scene, the Ruby Jetty is like an exclusive sailing and fishing and swimming club that is done by the posh people down by the reservoir, which is otherwise fairly derelict of people. So, this is like one of those areas in a city where you have the rich people show up and go to like their yacht club, but then right next to it, you have, you know, people just kind of hanging around by the water where there isn't very much built, where it's just like some some slopes down to the waterside and some like old buildings and probably like a hut where a watchman watches over the building. That's the kind of vibe, I think. Mm-hmm. Just to remind people, the reservoir is not near Bundervest at all. No, this, this is, is a quite different... a trip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is uh, quite a trip. It's the other big source of water in Uduasha. So it's across the city. And uh, mm. I think you will find Salman, who is also not... Like, he was a member of the city's elite. But uh, he isn't anymore. So he's not in the Ruby Jetty. I think he's just hanging out on the shores of the reservoir. And he is fairly incognito. So when you last saw him, he caught fire, which burnt off his clothes and hair. Yes. Um, and I think he's still hairless. I think he's like not naked because it's just conspicuous. So he has thrown on like a uh, like uh, now I forget the name for it, but like a those loose pants, pajamas. Like pajamas. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. Um, salwar. And, yes, salwar is what I was thinking of, and. Uh, He's just kind of chilling at the waterside. So Mm -hmm. I guess he sort of blends in. He looks like a a guy who took off his shirt to do some work, pretty much. And he definitely looks poor, right? Which is a contrast to the first time you saw him in his regal fineries with his entourage. Mm -hmm. Now he's a proper holy man. Mm. And yeah. He, uh, He sits by the waterside, and I think as you come closer, he casually picks up a stone and he skips it across the water. Mm-hmm. And it skips like four or five times. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't turn and around. Then... He just kind of acknowledges you with his stone skipping. Yeah. Um, I think 
I as I walk towards him, um, uh, an expression passes over my face uh, as I briefly wonder whether um, the House of Lies or the King of Lies is a step too far, even for me, a self-avowed um, a mad woman on a quest of apotheosis mm-hmm. or some shit. Uh, and then yeah. I brush it away because mm-hmm. that was just for the week. Um, yeah. And I, I merely like stand behind him because uh, as a loyal vizier, I know better than to interrupt my king uh, yeah. while I, he is deep in meditation and I wait for him to notice that I am there. Yes. And he like skips the stone and then you see that he has a small bag of items next to him and he reaches mm. into it and he picks out a mango. And he holds it wow. up and he says, uh, uh-huh. he holds it up and he says, something has happened in the city. You know of it already. Feel it. And he throws you the mango, just like oh over his God. shoulder, still without yeah. looking at you. I, I one billion percent catch the mango yeah. um, with one hand. Uh-huh. And I look at it. I presume it is ripe, juicy, yes. perfect. Yes. Um, I, I, I take a long sniff as if like mm-hmm. a sommelier, um, smelling like a, like a glass of wine. Right. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, I want to study the mango. Absolutely. Go ahead. I think mm-hmm. this is the happiest I've heard you sound on this show. <laughs> it's possible it is the happiest I've ever been on this show. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just a fortune roll, I presume. No, I think it's I think I think it's controlled. Like you have okay. this guy here who is commanding the magic, but he has brought you <laughs> a mango from the depths of the city. It's excellent. I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't know. I think Saida is in more control of themselves than I am, but uh-huh. I can't resist eating this. But I think yeah. I have to play the character true to her. So yeah. Yes. Anyway, uh-huh. um, so it's controlled. This is. Yeah, and this is not a downtown action, so I don't get a die from the King of Lies, right? No, no. Cool, just confirming. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, study, uh, mm-hmm. control, it would be so funny. I mean, it's like, I am this close to making my next ability mango, mango, mango. Uh, uh-huh. Control, standard, no bonus dice. Yes. Five. Okay, so... Um... We have gone with weird bananas last session, and now I guess it's weird mangoes, yes. which are, uh, we have established the thing that is one of the crops grown in Uduasha. Mm-hmm. And yes. uh, so uh, what happens here is that you get good information, but you also cannot resist tasting it unless you want oh, to resist. Oh, you, like, no way I'm resisting this. Uh-huh. Um, it tastes of honey and nectar and heartbreak. Are you kidding me? It's like yes. I'm a small child again eating the first mango my parents yes. ever brought me and told me this was all for me. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yep. I think the information you gain here as you mm. taste this sweet fruit, the information you mm. gain is in this very innocence as you taste it. Yes. Most mangoes mm. taste of Uduasha. They have the taste mm. of the city's industrial runoff. Like, you know, Gilly yeah. Gilly Gully is where these things are grown, and Gilly Gilly Gully is yes. screwed up. It's a place full yep. of mutations and strange fruits, and you can taste, like, the, the chemicals in almost everything. You don't in this. 
somehow the oh ontological God. shift you have induced has done something to the fruit. I spend the next five minutes trying my best not to let go of this folder that I know that as a loyal vizier I should not let go of, but at the same time devour this mango because uh, it is a miracle given unto me by the Prince of Endings. What else could it be, right? Um, yes. Because like, if I remember, the Devil's Bargain was about the Prince of Endings, right? It was like something yes. in a pre shifts. Yeah, uh -huh. absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I consume the, f the the flesh of this fruit utterly. Um, uh -huh. And as I am left with like a seed, uh, like the stone uh, of this mango, uh, and I come back to myself, juice dripping down my chin, I merely say, um, my king has bestowed a great honor upon me. I hope that my work warrants it. And I'm going to like... Jimmy, the folder that's been like uh, that's under one sleeve, like one armpit, out into my hand and hold it out to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he turns, he sees the folder, and uh, he reaches forward to take it, and then he mm -hmm. says, "You didn't hear anything, did you?" As if that's a normal thing to say when someone has tasted the fruit. <laughs> did you hear the yep. fruit? <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, yep. No, 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 no. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I will say, um, there is a demon that lives in me who blinds, who deafens and blinds me to all love but its own. Then, I cannot even blame it. Then your senses may be dulled as mine, but no. The mango has fallen silent. Okay, so this is um, I love this because Saida, what Salman is doing to Saida is what Saida just did to all of their family <laughs> one session yes. ago, right? Yes. So she's just gonna be like, I, I beg your pardon, Your Majesty, and uh, he rises slowly and. Sombrely, and uh, he says, In Gilly Gilly Gully, there are things in the soil, there are voices in the trees. Not too long ago, their singing fell still. I don't hear them anymore. You don't either. Perhaps you don't know their song? Or perhaps they have ended. You know of this? My king, I'm afraid that loyalty to a ruler and faith to the divine are both two halves of me. I see. Tell me, divinity or kings, which is the flesh and which is the stone? And he points at the leftovers of the uh, mango. Yes, okay, fine. Mm -hmm, sure. Um, I am going to 
look at him and say, um, to be a monarch is to hold the fruit in one's hands. To be a god is to consume both hand and fruit without regard for anyone else. If you eat the seed of a fruit, it will take root in your stomach. He says as he takes the yeah <laughs> the papers yeah yeah no sure and I, all I I think I I want to try and sway him here um, <laughs> not because I don't think that he's right in his whatever weird way but because uh -huh. I think I want him to understand that what might happen to him or me will not happen to the Prince of Endings right mm -hmm. um, okay and so the Prince of Endings does not play by these rules and uh, he better know it. And so I sure. think I will just say um, a fruit cannot take root in something that ends its entire being. Uh-huh. Okay. Try to sway him. Great. What kind of position and effect do you reckon I'm at? Uh, risky standard. Because Fantastic. you're engaging in theological debate with a sorcerer. I don't think yep. this is without risk. Yeah, yeah, and also I want to be clear, much of this out of character is basically sophistry. Like, yes. this is not necessarily meaningful, right? But we'll find uh -huh. out if it is. Yes. Um, yeah. Four? Okay. I'll take the four. You, you roll a four, so yeah. you persuade him of the truth of the Prince of Endings, but there is a Great. consequence. Uh -huh. mm. And uh, the consequence... Very silly. Simple. Mm. You have mentioned that there is a demon inside you yes. that has been dancing, and you still have not dealt mm. with this demon. You are working nope. on on yes. steadying Samum. Mm. Uh, yeah, you realize that the fruit you have eaten, the silent mango, has silenced mm. the rhythm to which Samum was dancing. And now there is nothing to bind this demon to rhythm or reason, and oh. it is very upset about this. Uh, but the song that Samum has been dancing to all this time inside you ended when you ate the mango. Oh, shit. And but this is how you realize mean... that you were correct. Yeah. Does that mean, though, that if I resist this, I will forget the mango? And no, I think if you resist this, that would entail letting Samum continue to, to dance to a beat. Maybe some other beat. Sure. Maybe you keep the beat going. Okay. Um, uh, sorry, let me clarify. If I resist this in any way, will the mango experience be diminished? No, the mango experience will probably not be diminished okay. because, I mean, it's a fruit. They don't normally sing, except that they do in in yes. <laughs> Salman's thing opinion. A, yeah, and, and thing B is um, the demon destroys what it loves, but and, and I love mangoes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I mean tree. I don't even know how necessary Saida feels about them. Like this one was apparently special, right? So yes. I'm very like I want to be very clear that if I resist that the foremost thing that I want to preserve is uh -huh. that the mango remains untouched by the demon. And that okay. is kind of what I'm resisting here. That like okay, I don't want fair. the demon to corrupt the mango. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. It's actually the mango corrupting the demon in this case, but if you want to resist it in the other direction, that's fine. Fantastic. 
Okay, but that goes up pure and true. They can never, um, th this is a problem. As I say this out loud, I should change my vice to mangoes. Uh, great. So I'm going to roll resolve. Uh-huh. Yep, go ahead. Okay. Let's see how badly this stresses you out. It's too stress. Too stress. Six stress would be cheap. Uh -huh. Okay, good. Anyway, uh, Salman nods then, having taken your point, and uh, he says, I see you have begun the formalities. Good. Next time you end something, see to it that I do not find out from the fruit. And say, as his majesty commands. Yeah. What an absolute little freak. <laughs> and I think that's the scene. It's... So good. Oh my god. I can't even tell you. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. I mean, I was taking notes. I'm not really sure what to take away from the scene. No. <laughs> so he does seem glad that you make this so much weirder. But we have at least learned of something, which is that the, the fruits of Gilly Gilly Gully have been affected by this ontological shift in some kind of subtle way that a sorcerer can pick yes. up on, but not necessarily yes. nor normal people. Yes. What's it also is, interesting. Um, what's also interesting is that in the world notes, uh, mm -hmm. there's a forest near the Udu, where yep. the fucked up fires of the Udu have created a haunted forest that has beautiful fruits, including incredible mangoes. Yes. So we know where to get more. Yes, mm -hmm. but something has changed yes. Yes. in the in the very soil of Uduasha. And it is mm. subtle and it is slight, but Salman has mm. noticed it. That is what we've learned here. Uh, what I'm was gonna, this swaying um, horror exactly? <laughs> what was this what? What was the sway roll for? To per I say wanna... that persuaded. Yeah, Saida just persuaded him that the Prince of Endings is real. All right, okay. Yeah. Basically. And, and the, the yeah, the important thing here is if there is a um there is another sorcerer or some kind of like incredibly powerful person who also begins to like like seriously like not just believe in a religious sense, but believe in that like the reason you believe in gravity is that like it acts on you at all times. Um mm. then that makes it even more likely and possible that the Prince of Endings has always existed. Mm. Um, which is Saida's yeah. like whole thing. It's uh -huh. possible, unfortunately, that um, they will just mango, mango, mango instead. So, you know. Uh -huh. <laughs> you, should go, <laughs> you should go find Avrad Ankuset, your best friend from the previous season, and convince him. Mm. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> I, I, I'm simply trying to match Saida's energy here, and I'm glad I yes. have yes. succeeded yeah. with this scene. <laughs> yes. Oh my <laughs> god. I... <laughs> I think I think to anyone listening to this who is confused, all I can say is I hope that one day you eat a mango that you deserve because yeah. you do. No, I know. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. very yeah. good. Anyway, yes. To sum up the scene, in case anyone else is confused, what what we have learned is that Saida's magic has caused something to change in the very soil. Uh, Salman mm. knows, other sorcerers may know. The farmers, as yet, have not discovered it because it's subtle, but they may. You know who's going to find out? The farmers, uh -huh. and then the restaurateurs. Yeah, probably. Mm. Mm. Uh -huh. 
soon the Flatbread Uncles become a tier four organization. <laughs> yes, armed <laughs> with mangoes, apparently. But <laughs> but anyway, uh, no. this uh, this being out of the way, I think Saida. Yeah, I think it's time to get ready for whatever it is we are doing, which is maybe Saida. Do we need a scene of Saida finding out about this restaurant connection and what has happened to Mofis? In fact, I think we don't necessarily need a scene of that, but I, because mm. I imagine what happens is uh, if we come back and I hear about this, then mm. I'm just going to say to these two, um, oh, you do whatever you need, but I know exactly how to solve this problem, and the way to solve this problem is bureaucracy. That's how it works in Uduwasha. Mm. So... Um, I'm just going to do that. If you want to come with me, sure, but you better not embarrass me. And if you want to do your own thing, even better, you won't embarrass me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I think so, like that's the vibe. That I can, so we might... I don't know that we necessarily need to play it out. I don't mind if we do, but like that's where yeah. I'm... I don't necessarily I'm happy to leave it at that. A, yeah, I don't think there is necessarily a scene there. So Saida is going to work through the bureaucracy, and we'll treat this as a gather information for now, because I, I think... While your angle is possible, let's start with Saida gathering information for like how can you attract these people bureaucratically. Yes. Is that fair? Mm. Yeah. All I'll say about today's session is that I want to beat the shit out of a bunch of people. Yes. Uh-huh. Mm. Yes. Excellent. Uh, okay. Uh, in that case, I think um, seems like I'm studying because it's like still paperwork. I don't know that yeah. I'm necessarily talking to anyone yet, right? Like if I was, then maybe it'd be consulting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So study. Yeah. And do um, I get a bonus die for my friend? You do because you worked very hard to reestablish connection with yes. Mr. Rohini. So I think, and yeah. last time, if I recall correctly, you basically just drew attention to yourself and waited for an emissary yeah, to be. Yeah, I did. And yes. so I think yeah. you will have correspondence this time with Mr. Rohini. Yeah. There's a dead drop Excellent. that is revealed to you. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. Also, because um, mm. I've still, it's still the case that I did like. I was indiscreet, right? So, like, yep. we just found a method and worked for Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. <clears throat> so, you basically you leave some requests at the dead drop, and then some paperwork will be returned to you at said dead drop, like two days yeah. later. Six. Mm-hmm. Mr. Yeah, Rohin is perfect. good at the job. Yes, Mr. Rohin is very good at their job. So, you will get the paperwork on Cutlet. And. The situation is, I think, that what you're specifically looking is a way to attack Cutlet through the bureaucracy. But I don't want to undermine Bidrihi and Mushfik's plan either. So yeah. here is a way to combine them, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way to combine them is uh, pretty simple. Cutlet is uh, like Cutlet's not subtle. Most of the flatbread uncles, like they run an enforcement agency, but Cutlet mm. ha- doesn't really bother to cover up his tracks very much. So the bureaucracy has a lot of records on him getting into fights, causing general nuisance and trouble. And like people in Uduasha are extremely loath to call on the Fursan, right? You don't want to get law enforcement involved because they're brutal and arbitrary and are as likely to like beat you up as the guy you're trying to get arrested. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Cutlet has had brushes with the, with the Fursan before. And if mm. he is in sufficient amount of like big trouble and actually gets them called on him, he is going away for a long, long time. Like ah. they're aware of his activities. It's just basically no one has actually called them on him for anything serious enough. 
but yes. they know who he is. They keep tabs on him. And it's kind of mm. one of those situations where like, they're looking for an excuse for him to do something so bad or be involved in something so bad that they have an excuse to finally put him away. Muy bien. Um, yeah. Yeah. In that case, let's see what uh, Mushfiq and uh, Bidrohi turn up. And I think we definitely have the beginnings of a plan. Um, okay. So Mushfiq is checking in with uh, Sundari. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, I'll let you contact. do that. Yeah, she is your vice purveyor. She's not your contact. So you don't get any bonus dice, but you can do it. Hmm. I believe that's how it works. Yeah. Would you, you want me it. with you? Would you specifically ask me to come? Otherwise, I'd let you do it on your own and do something else. Uh, what do you have planned? So, on, so it's a bit meta, but like on his descriptors, it says that he's a cultist. So I'm going to try to find out, just ask the streets about information about him. And hopefully, uh, Bidjoy doesn't know about him being in a cult, but I'd like to find out about him being in a cult. Mm-hmm. And okay. any details um, about that. I, yep. I think, yeah, sure, we can do this uh, separately. Uh, Mine was not too complicated. I just want to find out like what restaurants and such um, uh, Cutlet owns. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, something to be aware of is that this is someone who is in his organization and, and definitely higher tiered than him in that. Mm-hmm. So, Sundari, just yeah. letting you know. Yeah, just letting you know. Yeah, mm, no, right, absolutely. Right. She is, she's in the same organization. However, I think what is established about Sundari is I don't think she is a super active member of the Flatbread Uncles because she is, she's listed as spineless. So I think she is basically in the organization because she owns a restaurant and she's been intimidated in keeping keeping mm. well with the other people in the cartel, right? I think she's she's like fairly influential, but she also just gets pushed around by the rest of the organization a lot. I think that's the vibe mm. here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also figured that. So that, this is why I was asking, like, what, how tightly knit the flatbread uncles are, because if I can frame it as you know, one of them getting ahead at the expense of another one, or yeah. if I can arrange it that Mufi's is, um, like, I guess Mufi's is no longer gonna be uh, paying dues to Cutlib, but to Shunduri Tadri, that might be. Yeah, absolutely. If you can, I mean, if you can deprive him of, yeah, use some competition within the organization. I think that's. Totally and have Shunduri Tadri pay up to us. Yes. Where's she based, by the way? Uh, yeah, we haven't where... established where her restaurant is. Do you want to establish oh. that now? Did we not? I thought we had. I don't remember this. Oh. Um. I th- I think it would be like, uh, what's the place? Like, the, we did say there was a place that is kind of like a food, like you know, like where all the experimental foods happening. I think it was near the. Uh. Like near one of the gates to the city, like where yeah, it's the, it's the it's the caravan entrance, yeah, in the foreign quarter, yeah. the gateway to the rest of Iruvia. It makes sense for her to be there. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's where she cool. is. Mm-hmm. So, uh, how do you how do you approach her to talk about this? I think you're you know you have a fairly good relationship with her. I think she serves you personally on occasion. So. Yeah, I think um, maybe it's such an occasion that you can talk to her, where she brings yeah. you your uh, your bread and sauce, which I think we yeah, established. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, near lunchtime, which goes over, orders the usual, and uh, yeah. and then he goes, uh, 
for the change, I haven't only come here for uh, the food. There's something I wanted to um, propose oh. to you. Oh, uh, propose to me. Oh, uh, well, uh, this door, she says, and she composes herself, and there's like a moment of panic and hesitation as she looks at you. She's like, if he if he proposes to me, then like, I mean, it's too awkward to say no, so I guess I'll have to say yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so if he goes, um, listen, a friend of mine uh, in Wunderfest is having a bit of trouble with someone in your uh, organization, uh, Sir Cutlip. And... Oh, oh, she says, and she like pulls back, because I think she's also afraid of Cutlip. Like, you know, the guy's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> it's... yeah, but also she appears to be afraid of everybody. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just offer her our protection. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, so that's what I said. So, so um, I was thinking that uh, with your know-how and our uh, muscle, we might be able to cooperate and uh, mutually benefit. Oh, this yeah, like... sounds dangerous. Um, dangerous? I... No, no, not dangerous at all. There's no danger in it for you, right? It'll be dangerous for me, incredibly so, but uh -huh. not for you. I think this is where we make your role, right? It's a yeah. fortune role, because you're only asking her for information, so there's no huge stakes. But I think it makes sense here to see how she relaxes, like, are you reacts, are you able to calm her down? So I think right. it can be either a consort or a sway, as you've set it up. It's up well, to you. Well, I'll go for a sway, mm -hmm. because I have points there. Yeah, and I think you are <laughs> trying to persuade her of something here, so fair enough. Okay. So sway as a fortune role. Uh, sorry, no, consort, you said. Oh, well. Yeah, consort, mm -hmm. yeah. Someone. Oh, it's a one. It's yeah, a one. so she says, well, of course I would be happy to collaborate. And I mean, everyone knows that Cutlet is a uh, very dangerous, dangerous fellow. Um, but uh, you see, right now is a, a bad, bad time. Uh, see, the the nature of the matter, the thing, is that he's got a, got a big uh, order gone out and he's he's delivering to the Skovlanders so now really isn't the time to get involved with him and so what you will learn here is that uh, part of this arrangement between Jackal and Cutlet is I mean it's a bribe yes but it's also a bribe of the form where they pay him for a delivery of meat um, which is uh, also a little bit dangerous because it means he will have staff so basically you learn something that's bad for you here which is that Cutlet is actually working a big job, and that means that the rest of the Flatbird uncles are going to be backing him up because it's you know, it uh, it's beneficial for the whole organization, and also probably he just paid for it, right? He just hired extra staff, so he has uh, more of their thugs at his disposal. I'm just mentally imagining a, a large community picnic or a wedding or something that he's like the head caterer for. <laughs> I think it's something like that. Yeah, he is. <laughs> He has been Jack, the form of the bribe the jackal took was just like she hired him for like a big community meal. I guess okay, this actually compounds it and makes it worse for you, but it makes sense. I guess one of the Skovlan holy days is coming up, 
and they want a mm. lot of meat for their potluck. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think that's unfortunately what's happening here. So we learned that Cutlet does not directly control any restaurant, but he is a supplier of like fine meat, and he has a couple of cooked. He can like, yeah, treat and prepare them and so on. And sometimes he gets hired for jobs like this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's going to be there. He's going to be like carving up some fine choice steaks mm-hmm. for the moment. And this is a thing that's true in immigrant communities too, that they don't normally have a lot of money. But when it's like a holiday or like a wedding or some other big event, people scramble up money, right, to keep the traditions yeah. alive. And in this case, yeah, there's a Scovland holiday. Tradition dictates that you eat meat. And uh, Jackal happened to have use of a guy who delivers meat. So they have hmm. an arrangement. All right. Um, the two ways of going about it, or the obvious one, is to try to go after the meat delivery and try to screw up the relationship between Jackal and the Cutlet. But yep. if Cutlet's going to be busy on this really important meat delivery, that implies that some parts of his operation might be guarded, like you know, uh, like less securely. Yeah. Though the vibe yeah. I'm kind of getting of this guy is that he is the operation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, of course, he's got a butcher shop and so on, but like, he yeah. is the main main thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could screw um, up his butcher shop while he's away catering the event, though. Yeah, but but then again, I guess it doesn't. Uh, like, I don't really see how. That would help the, the, the no, situation. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, but I wonder whether um, we do both of these, these things, which is uh, I can turn up. It's like presumably like a community thing, right? So Saida can just turn up and eat some stew and be like, oh, I'm such a innocent old person, whatever, and then basically yeah. threaten this dude. And at the same time, you can actually just hit his operation and I can yeah. be like, this was your one warning. You try and fuck with us again, we'll burn your shit down. Uh-huh. I will point I look- out that it's a Scovlander holiday, so you, you may need to learn some cultural... Oh yeah, cultural sure. I, mean, yeah. I mean, come on. Okay, I have Yes? Mm-hmm. All right. Can we mess with the meat in some way? Like, he makes oh, delivery yeah. and everything, right? Do we mess with the meat in some way so when it arrives at this very important feast, like, something's wrong about Right, it's either gone bad or like you can go with that. I think what I want to do is fight this guy. Okay. Uh, well, about time you did some fighting. Well, yes. well we have uh, we have a couple of angles here, but we've learned that. Why don't we do? Why don't we do all of them? Yeah. yeah, we've learned that he's in trouble with the Fursan, and if like a fight breaks out and it gets bad enough, he could very well get arrested. Like the law is annoyed with him getting into fights all the time. We've also learned that he's catering this event. Uh, at the moment, and that this is how he normally operates. What about Bidruhi? Yes. Uh, yeah, so I'm just going around uh, the neighborhood. I think I've heard of Cutlet in the past. Like, yeah. you know, I, I'm a street street, street turf. He's a street turf, same same area. Not quite mm-hmm. the same operations, but like I'd, I'd hear about Cutlet. And yeah. I'd just go around my contacts and kind of go, brothers, sisters, and other siblings, we... I've heard that this cutlet guy is into like all sorts of like fucked up bullshit. Like, but okay, can I find? Do you know specifically what freaky shit he's into? Mm-hmm. So sure. yeah, uh, you're just keeping yes. the street. 
Yeah. That's that that's often how I find out information actually. So that's good. I'm glad you're taking mm -hmm. this time. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So let's roll a concert. Yeah, and there's no like bonuses or anything. I don't have any contacts here particularly. No, no yep. you're just picking up rumors about him. Like people say he's involved in some fucked up shit. And you rolled a resolve yeah. resistance. What? That's not what I wanted to do. <laughs> yes. Roll but it's the same. But it's the same dice pool anyway, it's fine. Okay, it's the same. So you get a five. Yeah. Five. Two dice, you get a five. Fair enough. So I was thinking, like butcher guy, the obvious thing is to put him in some sort of cannibal cult, but we've done that, right? So, yeah. I think it's it's boring and it's too obvious. So instead, I have looked through the living gods of Uduasha, and I'm going to say mm. that this dude is a disciple of Seven-Headed War, which explains his involvement in fights all the time. Wow. He just worships at all the altars of violence. Yes. Mm. What, so a, what the, a kill six billion demons dude. Yes, yes indeed, yeah. So, Seven-Headed War is described... I don't know who came up with this deity. I mean, it was Tree. It was But Seven-Headed War was, is, is described yeah. as chained by itself to itself, and its aspects are bow, gun, spear, blade, fist, word, and gift. And so... What? Yeah, yeah this uh, is... Um, it's, a, it's, it's a very deep cut, but the four methods of diplomacy in some Hindu traditions are... Um, yeah. Uh, flattery, gifts, threats, and violence. So I was like, yeah. oh yeah, gifts should be in there as one of the things uh -huh. that you can do to make war. Like, just mm -hmm. like, polite uh -huh. someone to death. Yes, so this mm -hmm. guy worships a war god. He is in a cult for uh, a god of conflict. What precisely that means, I don't know, but I think part of it is he is like ritually scarified, and actually pretty scary in a fight. And, uh, the other thing that I'm going to say that this cult gives him access to that you learn about is that he has rage essence. It, it's a thing that he possesses. Okay. It's Yeah. Excellent. I totally have to fight this guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you didn't roll a six. You don't know the ins and outs precisely of this religion. But it is, you know, it's a, it's a religion that exists openly in Uduasha. It's not like a secret god or something. It's just... There are more or less nutty adherents to it, right? And I think most people who adhere to it are some sort of prey for luck in battle, kind of like soldier types. And then you have the the fringe of the cult that gets high on various weird substances and do a bunch of self-flagellation. And he belongs to this later kind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess it used to be popular with the mercenaries and so on. Maybe yeah. now it's being gentrified and most of them are like, you know, business guys reading Sun Tzu's Art of War. That kind of Yeah, vibe. I was thinking. I think I think that's the direction that the the, the mainstream cult is heading into. But Cutlet's an old school guy, so he is still yeah. all about that like loyalty, war. Hustle, loyalty, yeah. respect. Yeah, let's go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Uh, yeah. A so, butcher worshipping a war god is about to cater a Scovlan holiday. Okay, so uh, it seems that we have like three angles, maybe four, depending. Let's start with the three. Uh, Mushvik could lead most of the crew on a f strike on the butcher shop. Saida and DNA could infiltrate the wedding. Well, wouldn't really be an infiltration. Attend the wedding. Uh, so, yeah, it's, or, it's like, not, not, a not the wedding. Holiday. Not a wedding. Not yeah. a wedding. The holiday, yeah. the holiday feast, mm -hmm. uh, where 
Scyther can do her thing, and I can threaten this man and beat him up, and also uh, totally show Jekyll that I'm wearing the other boot. <laughs> I I will point out that like disrupting a Scovlin holiday may cause violence. I feel mm. like this, uh, there is a risk. This doesn't seem like I a bug. Think... This seems like a feature. No, no. So yeah, uh, yeah. This is why I think what we should do is mess with the meat and then make it a you know. Like, have the two go to war against each other. Yeah. I mean, a thing you could do is do a, do a hit on the butcher's shop and try to screw up his delivery. That is yeah. a possible thing. I think, like, the reason I'm not as enthused about the, the messing up the meat thing is because I think it's really important that people know what we are about. It was us. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, I'm so. going to do something to cut this meat. Anyway, and I'm not gonna yeah. say what. You, you can do that. <laughs> I think we'll fr- I'll think we'll frame it like this. In order to make both of these possible, let's not involve his butcher shop, but let's say that he is delivering the meat. So he has a bunch of fresh cuts of meat that is going to be on a cart or something. And this holiday begins before they start eating, right? So there will be an opportunity to go to the holiday and poison the meat, like as he is preparing it. That way we can both feature the holiday and the meat poisoning plan, right? I think that's a way to unite these ideas. Yeah. I mean, we could just send our cohort off with like a one roll to also beat up the butcher shop. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So your cohort will attack the butcher shop. You will mess with his with his catering directly. Whether yeah. that's poisoning the meat, fighting him, whatever. Okay. Yeah. I think this also establishes clearly the first obstacle, which is to get like on a Scovlander holiday, it's going to be a challenge, I feel, to get deep within their turf. But we have turf. a new Scovlander best friend called Gunnar. Oh, yes. yes. And maybe he could get you invited. I, I am I the vizier of the House of Lies. I do want to point yes. that out also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are ways in. I'm just pointing out also that, I mean, not the Scovlanders are not, you know, a completely united faction, right? This is they're all yep. celebrating the holiday, but they're not all doing it in one place. This is Jackal's mm. celebration. So mm. there is also yeah. that, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, Listen, it's not Jackal... the entire mm-hmm. it, it's not the entire immigrant community. They are huge, but it is Jackal's version of the holiday, or like her, you know, her gathering. So Listen, would Jackal say no to me showing up? No. Well, well, maybe. Probably. Well, she, maybe. I, I think she'd say no, so she could be. I think she'd say yes, so she could beat me up. Mm-hmm. We'll see how it goes. All of this <laughs> yes. sounds like engagement <laughs> rule questions. Yes. So let's do the engagement yes. rules. <laughs> yeah. Let's just see how it goes. What yes. sort of position do you start in attending? But it sounds like your way in is to basically just ask if you can attend the celebration. Yeah, so, I mean, we we gave him a traditional Ketrasi, you know, drink. He yeah, can so take us to. So he's yeah, going that's... to give you a traditional Scovlander hot dog, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that all we're now establishing? Is that a Frankfurter is the official uh, national dish of Scovlander? Uh-huh. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the Big Mac. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good. Uh, yes. Um, shall we go to the questions? Yes. Yes. So. Uh, you start with one die for sheer luck. 
is this operation particularly bold or daring? I think it is. Yes. <laughs> so that's two dice. Is this operation overly complex or contingent on many factors? I think also yes, because yes. there's a lot of moving yeah, parts. There's there. a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, does the plan's detail expose a vulnerability of the target or hit their, them where they're weakest? No. No, I don't think so. So you're at one die. Is the target strongest against this approach or do they have particular defenses or special preparations? Well, yes. Cutlet doesn't, but the Skovlanders do, so yes. Yeah. Zero they do. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, mostly it's their turf and, mm. you know, and they are prepared for this to be. But also, I think they take this seriously. Also, yeah. Cuttle should because, like, being attacked while he's he's a thug mm. who's all about the food business, and he's going to be attacked yeah. while he's delivering food. That's his entire yeah. job, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, can any of your friends or contacts provide aid or insight for this operation? I think, arguably, we already have Mr. Rohini, but do you want to bring in anyone else? I I don't know whether Gunnar counts as a friend or contact. I don't think. Uh, he does. I don't, but it would, I don't think I'm you're just, close yeah. enough to him yet. But we, since we yeah. already have Mr. Heaney, we can count Gunnar in, in the one die bonus. Yeah. That puts you back <laughs> to one die. Are any enemies okay. or rivals interfering yes. in this operation? Yes, by definition, because Jackal is not the yeah. target, but she will be there. So zero yeah. dice. Are there any other elements you want to consider? Cutlet is tier two. So he is higher oh, tier. Damn. So you're at negative yep. one dice. Hmm. Okay. So even if you have uh, any other plus one dice, you're effectively at zero. I nominate Mushfiq to roll this because it seems that he is very keen on us doing this. I am. We just... Uh, sorry, I don't know how the UI operator this works, unfortunately. Uh, rolling each one. There it is. That's how it works. And we're rolling. There is no negative one die, so I guess we roll no, zero. zero. And okay. you roll a three and a three. Yeah, nice. Unsurprising. <laughs> Here close the doors to the House of Endings. Those who dwell within are Sohem, called Klo, Adiat, called Soap, Saumitri, called Tree, and Emma. I have been Prince, your host. Our city of Uduasha is based on Blades in the Dark by John Harper and Evil Hat Productions, with special thanks to Johnstone Metzger. Follow us on Twitter or support us on ko-fi.com slash If you want to engage further with us, we also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash where you will get our newsletter, extra content, and updates from Uduasha. Exactly. All eyes are on me, as they should be. And yeah. brother, I am with you. Let's be honest. Two yeah. times per... It's, it's, Blades fans will know this ability as foresight, but I have renamed it as brother, I am with you. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, Bidrahim does what Bidrahim does best, I guess, which is talk loudly to Hamish, like they, they have the warm bread and the candied apples and you're loudly sampling them, waiting for your hamburger. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh... <laughs>